we're going to do a series on the renewing of your mind. The Lord's been talking to me a lot about how that the enemy, he never lets his word depart out of his mouth. He is always talking death. These principalities and powers, they're on assignment against you. They never stop talking. They're looking at you. They're throwing thoughts. The enemy's always throwing thoughts for the purpose of getting your eyes off Jesus so that you don't know who you are. You don't know what he's given you, what you can do in him. And it's important that we renovate our thinking, that we renew our mind with the word of God. The Bible talks about, talks so much about this. Our mind is the battleground. So we're going to talk a lot about that tonight and in the upcoming weeks as the Lord leads us. So open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 23. And we're just going to launch off on this. Hallelujah. You know, this first lesson, I, I stopped at 30 pages of notes, so I have a feeling this is going to be a big series because I, I barely scratched the surface with what I have here. But we're just going to take our time and we're, I won't keep you too long, but I'm telling you, to get, to get this, think about this, this is all about teaching you how to think right. Because you have to think right in order to believe right. And you have to think and believe right in order to speak right. And it's so important the doer of the word is blessed. You have, you'll have what you say. The Bible is very clear on that. And our actions flow out of our beliefs. So we have to go all the way back and learn how to think right. The whole world is upside down. The whole world will tell you, man, you have to hang on to things because things could get tight. And God's saying, when things get tight in the world, that's when you sow more. Because if you want to increase, you have to sow. If you want to really live, you've got to die. If you want to be first, you have to be last. It makes no sense to your, to your natural mind. Right? In order, in order to really be happy in life, you have to literally operate and live in the love of God, which never considers itself. Well, wait a minute. For me to be happy, you would think I'd have to be focused on me. No, actually, to be happy, you can't be focused on you. So let's talk about this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says this, And the very God of peace... Now, you have to understand this. It doesn't say, and the very peace of God. So many times we'll read it like that. But it doesn't say the very peace of God. It says the very God of peace. Sanctify you wholly. Why is that so important, God of peace, peace of God? Because the peace of God doesn't sanctify you. The God of peace is who sanctifies you. Well, what does this word sanctify? 
This word sanctify literally means to make you clean, to purify you, to make you holy, to set you apart for the master's use. That's what this Greek word means. To separate you from profane things and dedicate you to God. Notice, God does this for you. Man, I grew up in a denomination, whoo, fire and brimstone, man. I'm talking you better be holy or turn or burn and all this stuff. Now, is holiness important? Absolutely. But if, if I stood up here and preached, because you'll hear this, man, you, gotta, you just got to preach. Nobody's preaching about sin anymore. Listen, you want to overcome sin? You got to preach about the God of peace. And you got to preach about how to renew your mind because your behavior flows out of your revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ. Your ability to walk holy before God flows out of a revelation knowledge of who he is and what he's done so that now you're not just trying to live for him. No, no, no. You're letting him live through you. Man, things will fall off of you. Because here's the reality of that. The people that get all, oh man, we got to preach against sin. There's too much sin in the church. No, no, we got to preach about thinking right. Because in that, of course, we're going to talk about how to walk free from sin. But Here's the thing. You are free from sin. So we got to renew our minds so all of a sudden we go, oh. Instead of going, man, I just got to do better. And then beat myself up when I fall down because I'm trying to sanctify myself. But the Bible says, and the very God of peace will sanctify you. I don't try to keep myself Boy, this is tilting some people, I could tell. That's okay, just hang with me. I don't, try, I don't try to walk holy in my own strength. I put all of my trust in him, and I keep my eyes on him, and I renew my mind with his word, and I put his word first place, and guess what? The byproduct of that is I'm able to walk holy. Because I'm walking holy in him. And now it's in him that I live, that I move, and that I have my very being. Because if you're trying to live holy by yourself, man, you'll get pressed by the world. And when you get pressed, what's on the inside is going to come out. And you've got Christians, man, they look so sweet and so nice, but press them. And all of a sudden, whoa, what just came out of that individual? Right? Now, we all know what I'm talking about because we've all been pressed. And sometimes we know what's come out of us. But I'm telling you, when you renew your mind with the word of God and you allow the very God of peace to purify you, cleanse you, set you apart, remove you, separate he will separate you from profane things and dedicate you to himself. It's so much easier. You want to get sin out of the church? 
That's the road to get it out of the church. And the very God of peace, that wasn't even part of my message. And the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. Now look at this, wholly. This Greek word means perfectly and completely. And then he says this, and I pray, God, your whole, whole. This Greek word, is, it's real deep. The word whole, it means whole. Isn't that, I mean, that's deep. Now, now hang with me because, see, we read over this. And, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, okay, I could get that, soul, okay, my whole soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, and my body. Now I'm starting to tilt. My body? Man, I've studied Romans. It has a sin nature in it. My whole, and my whole body, that means my whole body. Be preserved blameless. Well, now, wait a minute. My spirit's blameless, but I gotta, I'm a word person, so my spirit's blameless, but I gotta renew my mind so that I can keep my body under. So I gotta keep my body under. Is that true? Yes, you do. But you keep your body under how? By allowing the very God of peace to sanctify you. But he wants your spirit and your whole soul and your whole body to be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Isn't that good news? Now, when you read it, you're like, okay, I need some more revelation on this. Thank God the Holy Spirit will bring that. And as we go through this series, we're going to get more about this. If you look at the book of Rome, or the, yeah, the whole book, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, these Gentile Christians, this was a complete work. Romans, the whole book of Romans. It was a complete work. Paul wrote this letter to them as a complete work. They were being persecuted. And who knows if they, he thought that they would ever see any of the other letters written to other churches. So he includes so much in here. In the first seven chapters, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or you could say this, God breathed this, he described the bondage of the sin nature that is in our flesh. He described that perfectly. He laid it all out. That's what he did in the first seven chapters. You know, chapter one, man, these heathen lifestyle people, they're not born again. And all the religious people said, thank goodness, okay, I'm okay. Oh, darn, Romans chapter 2. And all you religious people, you're not, you're not okay either. Why? Romans chapter 3. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? So, you know, the first seven chapters, he's describing this bondage that we live in because of this sin nature on our flesh. Man, the greatest thing about the glorified body is going to be no sin nature. Could you imagine the freeways in heaven? Everybody's letting everybody else in. Nobody's cutting anybody off, right? 
Think about a world with no self-centeredness. Be kind of like heaven, right? The sin nature in our flesh is our main enemy. It's our main enemy. Satan and the world system are two other enemies that we have as well. But now remember, the number one enemy that you have is the sin nature in your flesh. It's always trying to get your mind to side with it. And the, and, and the reason why we say it's the number one enemy, see, Satan, if you say he's number two, that's great, but he's been completely stripped and defeated. So all he can do is deceive you. How does he do that? By throwing thoughts in your mind. So this is why the sin nature in your flesh, why does he throw thoughts in your mind? To try to get you you to side. He wants your mind to side with your flesh so that it will take you captive. That's Romans chapter 7. You, the spirit man, captive into a behavior that you really don't want to do. People, they get stuck in the Romans chapter 7 cycle. You know what that is, right? You sin, and then you repent. And then you sin, and then you repent. And then you sin, and then you repent. And then you sin, and then you repent. Right? And if you're like me growing up, every summer when you'd go to camp, you'd reaffirm your faith. You know, my, my rededicator was wore out by the time I was 12 years old, right? Sin, repent, sin, repent. But then what happens after a while? It's sin, repent, and then give up. This is just the way I am. We don't want that. We can't stay. In Romans 7. People will read Romans 7 and they're like, oh, I love Romans chapter 7 because see, this is just the way it is. No, no, you didn't read the end of Romans chapter 7. So let's read the end of Romans chapter 7. Well, you know, before we do, can you put up Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25? Let's start in verse 25. Don't start in verse 26. This will be good for married couples. So, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Okay? Look at, look at this. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church unconditionally and gave himself for it. Okay? Verse 26, let's look at this. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. What? Wait, 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 what's it talking about? Cleanse what? What is it? The church. So this is saying, man, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Oh, this is going to kind of talk to us about how he's going to sanctify it, right? How is God going to set us apart, purify us, separate us from profane things, and dedicate us to God? How is he going to set us apart for the master's use? Right here. He's going to cleanse it 
with the washing of the water, washing of water by the word. Interesting. Go to verse 27. That he might present it, the church, to himself. Now, are you getting this? Jesus is going to wash the church with the water of the word so that he can present the church, which is us, to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. This is why we're teaching on the renewing of the mind. Because this is the process. He sets us apart with the Word. The Word is what washes. What do you mean wash? When I went to Rama, I had a lady one day, right before we were moving, we were at a garage sale in California, and a lady, I was talking to her, and we got to, you know, I said, oh yeah, I'm going to Bible school. Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going down to a Bible school. It's called Rama Bible Training Center. It's in, it's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Oh, she said, you better be careful when you go down there. They will brainwash you. And I looked at her and smiled real big, and I said, oh ma'am, I go, I need a good brainwashing. I got to tell you, I'm still washing my brain every day. How am I washing it? With the washing of the water by the word. How do I do that? See, I can't, I can't do that myself. Why? Well, because it's God's word. I could read it, I could memorize it, but I can't open it. But as I read it, as I memorize it, as I put it first place, see, I've got this God on the inside of me. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he will open the Bible, he'll open the word of God and life will come out and it'll come out of my heart and it'll wash over my mind and it's the only thing that will bring salvation to my soulish realm. The book of James. Counseling won't do it. No, no, psychology can't do it. Psychology could take me apart. They don't do a very good job at all putting me back together. But see, see, here's the thing. You don't really need to be taken apart and put back together. You need to be cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. God's word, as you renew your mind, will purify you, will cleanse you. Boy, I got to tell you, this is, this is deep right now. Right? He does it, not you. Man, I'll tell you, when you realize this is all about Jesus and not about you, everything gets easy. Actually, it becomes rest. And you find that your struggle is to stay at rest because you walk around going, you, you, you always kind of want to, well, I got to do something. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, 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 let me do it. You start worrying about something. No, 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 give that to me. You just keep your eyes on me. Right? And we see a perfect example of this. Was Jesus ever stressed out? No. Could you imagine being Jesus? Righteous, holy. I mean, this guy, the God-man, what he had to deal with. All these people 
all these religious people that were missing it. All these demonic things. His very own disciples. He'd look at them and go, man, how long do I got to be with you guys? Right? But he kept his flesh under control. He literally had a three and a half year ministry and then he left the planet almost 2,000 years ago and left it left this whole deal in the hands of men. Oh, wait, time out. No, he didn't leave it in the hands of men, did he? He really left it in the hands of the Holy Spirit. But, but you know, he knew. He wasn't stressed. He, wasn't, he didn't come out of the grave, and for 40 days he's walking around the earth going, okay, could I have done a little more? Maybe I should have, because, gosh, you know, What's going to happen when I go? Right? No, he wasn't stressed, never worried. In the same way, you're never to worry about anything in your life. Never to stress about anything. Why? Because you already know the answer in the same way he already knew the answer. I mean, he's walking around on the earth going, listen, I was crucified before the foundation of the earth. This is a done deal. In the same way, yeah, I got a diagnosis today, but I already know the end result of it. I don't look at my checkbook to see if I have finances. No, no, I, all I have to do is know who God is. And no, no, he could turn it all around. But I got to renew my mind so I'll believe that. And, and so that I'll have the courage to act on it. Because see, you can't, you cannot be strong and courageous unless you observe yourself doing the word. That's what actually brings strength and courage. You can't just, you know, be a Marvel guy and just, I'm just going to suck it up. No, it doesn't work like that. You can't say what you don't see. You can't move in a direction you can't see. That's how come we're talking about vision on Sunday. So it's like always, you know, in 15 years with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about vision on Sunday, now, you know, we just got done talking about building a strong spirit. Now we're talking about what? How to renew our mind. God wants you to be strong. He wants you to stand in your righteousness. Never letting sin dominate you again. Walking holy before your God. Walking in the love of God by the strength of God. He doesn't want addictions and behavior that brings death into your life ruling you. No, there's a way around and or a way to be free from all of it because you've already been made free you just have to walk in it learn how to walk in it this is huge he does it he sanctifies us with the washing of the water of the word so now let's jump back and let's read the last few verses of chapter 7 of romans go to romans chapter 7 verse 22 you guys excited I could tell. I know I'm excited. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word is so good. We're going to preach it without any restraint. Amen? You have to... See, in order to, in order to be used by God to deliver people so that he can deliver people through your life, you've got to be delivered from people. Right? You've you got to be moved by the Spirit of God. You can't be moved by natural things. 
So look at this, Romans chapter 7. You know this chapter. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I do. And then, then look at this. Then Paul finishes up his whole thought by this. And it's like, this is like camouflaged because nobody ever goes here. They just love to wallow in the thing that I can't do, I do. The thing that I want to do, I can't do, right? But then he explains it. So Paul's like going, okay, this is why. This is why the thing that I don't want to do, I do. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. This is why. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's my spirit. In other words, your spirit delights delights in the law of God or in the word of God. You could say it either way. Say, my spirit, man, delights in the word of God. Look at this. But, darn it, verse 23. But I see another law in my members. That's my flesh. I delight, my spirit man delights after the word on the inside, but I'm seeing that there's another law that's in my flesh, in my members. And this other law in my flesh or in my members is warring against the law of my mind. The law of the mind, what is that? Here's the law of the mind. It's a spiritual law. Are you ready? Because this will answer a lot of questions. The law of the mind is when God's word is sown into your heart, into your spirit, it will bring about behavior. You want to overcome sin? Just put the word in your heart and you'll overcome all the sin in your life. Because, see, you're already, sin already doesn't have dominion over you. And, and when we think about sin, listen, anything that's not a faith is sin. Worry, man, you're missing it. Right? There's a lot of things. This law in my flesh is warring against the law of my mind. The law of my mind is, if I put the word of God in my heart, it will change my behavior. The law that's working in your flesh is going to try to stop you from putting the word in your heart. That's, what, that's what's happening, right? So he's explaining this. But I see another law in my members, in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me, now he's talking about his, his spirit, man's spirit, bringing me, the spirit man, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members or in my flesh. So my spirit, in other words, delights to be a doer of the word, to walk in it, wants to hear it, wants to be in the word all the time, but I see that there's this law that's working in my flesh 
that wars against my mind. It's trying to keep me, my mind, from putting the word of God in my heart. That's what's happening. Because if this law in my members wins and I stop meditating in the word and I stop putting the word first, then now this law that's working in my flesh will take me, the spirit man, captive. That's exactly what Paul's saying. You can change your whole life by understanding this principle. So Satan will throw thought after thought after thought. He'll use the world system to create circumstances. Think about what... See, this is what's happening in a Christian's life today. I don't care. Turn on Christian TV or or secular TV. Everything the enemy is speaking. He's trying to use everything. He'll use people. He'll use your work. He'll use the whole world system. And then these demons are throwing thoughts. And it's just they're talking death, 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 death. Everything, and everything funnels down to this. The word of God's just not going to work for you. In other words, it's no different than Eve. Oh, come on, Eve, surely God didn't say that you die. I mean, what did, what did Satan just say? Surely you won't die. You could say that another way in the Garden of Eden. Eve, come on, surely God's a liar. He's lying to you. The whole world system is to try to get you to believe that this is not truth. And guys, the stage is being set. Bible prophecy, it's not that it's, it might not happen. No, no, it's, it's all moving towards it. This year, in a Middle Eastern city, will be opened the One World Religion Center. It's a, the Pope and the head Muslim of the Muslim world got together and they created this. They put a document together a few years ago and it's all about a one world. Let's just all get along. Now we're going to build this though in a place where Christianity cannot be proselytized because that's totally against the law. But let's all get along. Guys, everything is moving and God has placed us here at the end of this church age so that we can rise up and show the world Jesus. How are we going to do that? Well, he's going to sanctify us by the washing of the water of the word of God as we renew our minds. So I see another law in my flesh warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my flesh. Verse 24, people love this one. Oh, wretched man that I am. See, pastor, there's just nothing, there's no way out of this deal. Oh, wretched man. This means, oh, afflicted, oh, man that's enduring toils and troubles. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who, ooh, doesn't say what, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. Paul called 
his flesh, the body of this death, because of the law that's working in it. He's saying, he didn't say what's going to deliver me, because what doesn't deliver you? Who is the deliverer? Who is going to deliver me from this death? And then, man, if we would just focus on verse 25, he finishes the chapter by saying, he gives us the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in other words, God has past tense delivered me from the body of this death through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm delivered. He delivered me. So that means you're delivered from the body of this death. What that means is now the law that's in your flesh can never overtake you and win. If you'll just put the word first and renew your mind with the word of God, you can walk completely free. Wow. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. Why? Why do I not sin? Because the word's working in me. The word keeps me. In other words, Jesus keeps me. Wow. Look at that. Isn't that good news? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself, in other words, my spirit, serve the law of God. So then, with the mind, how do I serve the law of God? I the spirit man, with my mind, serve the law of God. This word served means yield. Yield to the law of God. Literally, that that word serve in the Greek would, would would literally be defined as this, to yield my thoughts to the whole counsel of God. So then with my mind, so I got to do something with my mind so that I myself can yield to the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Hmm. What does that mean? So, if I with my mind yield to my flesh, then what's going to happen? The law of sin's going to work. But if I renew my mind with the word of God, since my spirit wants to yield to the whole counsel of God, that will win. In other words, let me put it real clear. Majority always wins. In other words, let me make it real easy. Whatever you feed will win. If you feed your flesh, your flesh will win. It will take your spirit captive into a behavior 
that really your spirit does not want to do. But what will happen if you do it long enough? You can get calloused. But man, that inner turmoil will never go away. And you'll do the repent, sin, repent, sin, but then eventually just give up. Come to church. And you know, you might look happy, but at the end of the day, there's no real joy because you're not, you're wondering if God really loves you. I mean, you know, this is, the, this is reality. This is why all this happens. Now, this is amazing. Paul is pointing out right here the conflict that every Christian experiences. Every one of us. We all know this because we live in this. We hear and believe God's word and we delight in it inwardly. Right? Have you ever been sitting in a service at Faith Family Church and got your answer and two hours that afternoon or the next morning you're walking in the same stuff and, and it's, it, you lost it? Has that ever happened? Don't, don't show me hands because I don't even want, I don't want to have to raise my hand. Right? And, and right? All you got to do to live out of your flesh and let the law in your flesh rule you is nothing. That's all you got to do. Keep your Bible in this position. Keep it there. Right? Or you could say this. This is you and this is the word. Your flesh will rule you. But boy, if you ever get this like this, your flesh can't rule you. That's how simple this is. We hear and believe God's word and delight in it inwardly, but there's another influence that works through our flesh. Why? To limit the fruit-producing potential of the seed of the word of God that was planted in our hearts. That's what's happening. The battle, this whole battle, is waged in your mind. Right? It's waged in the realm of the soul. That's why we have to talk about renewing our mind. This is a lifelong process. The battle is waged in the realm of the soul. And when we say soul, it's mind, will, and emotions. But let's, let's nail it down. Specifically, the mind. The battle is waged in the mind because if the battle is won by the flesh in the mind, the will and the emotions will go right with it, right? So the mind, you know, I think Joyce Meyer wrote a book, The Battlefield of the Mind. The mind is the battlefield, right? So now, in Romans chapter 8, Paul is going to explain how to escape the flesh and walk in the Spirit. We call Romans chapter 8 the victory chapter. We see the whole chapter 8 of Romans that God wants you to walk victorious in every arena of your life. Everything. Everything. So this is, this is big. So now, remember, this is a letter... So it finishes up, verse 25 of Romans chapter 7. I thank God, are you there? 
Romans chapter 7, verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now. There is therefore now. Now look at the beginning of victory, the victory chapter. Look at what he says. There is therefore now. What do you mean now? Now that Jesus has come out of the grave and redeemed us. There is, you, this, is, this is step number one. You want to walk in victory? You've got to learn this right now. You've got to have a revelation knowledge. There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You've got to know this. Now, Romans defines what it means to be in Christ. If his spirit is living in you, then you're in Christ. When you accept Christ, when you bow to his lordship and invite him into your heart, he makes you brand new and the Holy Spirit takes up eternal residency in your heart. You are now in Christ. And then it has this statement that makes absolutely no sense, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And this is what throws everybody off because they don't dig and they just read that. Well, that's in the Bible. But you know that who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, that is in the original manuscripts, but it's not in verse 1. It's not in any manuscript that's worth anything. Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, it's not in there. It's in verse 4. And it makes total sense in verse 4, but it makes absolutely no sense in verse 1. Because if you read this right now, when you see the word in Christ, it is talking about positional truth. The positional truth is I am, right now, positionally, I am seated at the right hand of Almighty God in Christ right now. The temporal truth of my life is I'm standing in Faith Family Church, before you teaching. That's the temporal truth. If you don't understand the difference between positional truth and temporal truth, you can't even understand Romans, the epistles, because you'll get all messed up. Because the King James translators, they put that in there for a reason. And the reason wasn't because it was there, it just made sense to them. So if you look, if you look at this scripture, now hang with me, this is so big, you have to see this. This is saying, in, in, in verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, it should read, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what it's saying. If you have that other part in your Bible, I'd put it in parentheses and say not in the original manuscripts. Now, don't believe me. Check it out. Check it out for yourself. So positional truth, here's a crash course that you've got to understand. And to renew your mind, you've got to understand this. Positional truth 
If you ever read in the Bible, in Christ, in whom, in him, that's all talking about positional truth. Okay? If you ever see something like walk, who walk not, you see the word walk, that's temporal truth. It's talking about your behavior. Because see, if you don't understand that, you're thinking, okay, there's no condemnation to those which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And immediately you go, so am I not in Christ? Because, wow, I just fleshed out right before I came to church. I've got behavior in my life. Am I not saved? Right? Right? You can't mix positional with temporal truth. Because this is what this verse is saying. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying this. That the law of sin and death could not ever be broken by your behavior. Nope. 2 Corinthians 5.17. What does that say? If any man be... In Christ, he is a new creature, a new species. That word means a new original form. Old things, the sin nature and all of the sin are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, when you got saved, new where? New on the inside. You didn't change on the outside, did you? If you had gray hair when you got saved, you're going to still have gray hair, right? If you were a blonde, you'd still be a blonde. If you had blue eyes, you'd still have blue eyes, right? This is talking about new on the inside. In other words, positionally, everything changed when you got saved. The old position of man's spirit changed. The old one was taken away and gone forever, and now the new spirit is, you're a new species. Brand new. So follow, keep following me with this. Now look at verse 2 of Romans chapter 8. He's going to start explaining this. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, hath, Past tense. When did that happen? On the cross. Made me free from the law of sin and death. When were you made free from the law and sin and death? On the cross. Were any of you born in AD 32? Because you would be, wow. That's old as dirt there. Right? That makes Methuselah look ridiculous. You were made free from the law of sin and death in the redemptive work of Jesus. In other words, the law that brought me into salvation makes me free from the law of sin and death. Why am I saying all this? Because you can't understand the renewing of your mind if you don't know who you are. See, now, why is there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ? 
Because the Holy Spirit dwells in me now. You know, the word condemnation is an interesting word. It literally means a verdict that is literally, it's like a case has been done. It's a one and for all thing. Condemned. There's no condemnation at all. It's not possible for you to have condemnation upon you as a born-again Christian. Okay? Chapter 8 is the victory chapter, and it's all about the Holy Spirit in the believer. There's no condemnation upon you because the Holy Spirit's in you. Now now keep with me, stick with me here. 1 John 4.4 says this, Hang in Romans chapter 8, but 1 John 4, 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, this is the law of love. What flows out of this law is faith, And it enables you to lay hold of all the blessings of God. Everything that he provided for me by his grace, I receive it through faith. The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has not set me free, but he's made me free from the law of sin and death. What is that? That is selfishness and self-centeredness. What flows out of that law? Fear, which will connect you to everything that the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. He can't work if there's no fear. Why do you think everything is fear? I'd love to tell you that's going to get better. No. He knows his time is short. But there's no fear for us. Okay? Your ability to operate the law of the mind properly. Again, what's the law of the mind? When you implant the word in your heart, behavior flows out of that. If you want to overcome a behavior issue in your life, a secret sin issue, whatever it is, you just get more of the word in your heart and you will overcome that. We don't have a sin problem in the church. Pastor, how can you say that? I mean, literally, in the church right now, you can't tell a Christian from a non-Christian. I mean, it's crazy. Christians are going to bars, hooking up just like people in the world. They have all the addictions that the world has, divorce rates just as high, all this stuff. Why? Because the problem is not the sin. The problem is we have a word in our heart problem. That's all it is. It's a bunch of people that on the inside of them, they love God, they just don't know. Now, If you see somebody that's just out doing their own thing and they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and there's no willingness, there's no inner turmoil, I've got to question if they've ever been born again. Right? So I'm going to minister to them as an unbeliever because, man, they're not going to change unless they get born again. There's no power to change there. Right? Your ability to operate the law of the mind properly is going to determine whether God dictates the quality of your life or whether the law of sin and death operating through your flesh dictates the quality of your life. 
That's the final thing. What's going to determine if you're a doer of the word or if you're carnal and walking in death is going to be this. Are you implanting the word of God in your heart so that what flows out of it is behavior? In other words, if you don't renew your mind with the word, then the law of sin and death operating through your flesh will dictate your life. It'll limit your finances. It'll limit everything. We have to know this. So let me, let me come to the close. Man, I'm on page. I'm just, I just went through four pages. This is ridiculous. Okay. But I think I probably could preach this same sermon 25 times, and it would be a good thing. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. I, I can't leave you in verse 2 because verse 3 is so important and this is going to lay a foundation. It says in verse 3, actually, go ahead and put Romans 8.1 up again. Remember, this is a letter. There is therefore now no condemnation to, those which, to them which are in Christ Jesus. Put up verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Why was the law weak through the flesh? This is why. Because nobody could keep the law. The law was not meant for people to keep it. It was meant to show man they needed Jesus. They needed somebody to come and die for them to free them from this thing. It was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, Jesus took upon himself flesh. You guys were here over Christmas. The Christmas story. Read Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. God... Un Jesus, the creator of the universe, unclothed himself with all of his godly glory and clothed himself with human flesh and was born in a manger. Why? This is why, right here. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. That's a little vague. Literally in the Greek, in the manuscript, it would read as a substitute for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why did Jesus have to live in the flesh? Because every, all of our sin nature, the spiritual death that Adam and Eve embraced as they violated God in the Garden of Eden, and all of the sin that you and I and the whole world has ever committed or ever will commit. All of that sin and all the spiritual death was condemned in the flesh of Jesus. Say this with me. All of my sin, my old sin nature was condemned in the flesh of Jesus on the cross. Now this word condemned, as we said earlier, this is a once and for all thing. can never be reopened. It's done. 
Why is there now no condemnation to those that are in Christ? There can't be. Because all the condemnation is on sin. It's not on us. Oh, the Judaizers would be mad. They'd follow Paul around. Don't listen to this idiot. You got to keep the law. He's, he's giving you a license to sin. Oh, come on, guys. We all know we don't need a license to sin. All you got to do to sin is just nothing. Just get out of the word. Right? Every, get out of the word, stop coming to church, stop listening to the word, and every one of us would be right back where we were. Oh, you could, might say, oh, no, there's no way. Okay. All right. Knock yourself out. Once we receive, boy, I don't know about you, the more revelation you get on this, you be coming to church every week. Pastor, could we please, could you preach on Romans 8, 1 through 3? Please, again, again, again. Oh, come on, guys, it's 2027. We're still, no, no, you'd be like, yeah, we, we couldn't get anything done because you'd be like, there's no condemnation on me. So stop beating yourself up. Because the shame that flows from the inner turmoil of your sin, because your spirit doesn't want to do what you're doing, it drags you back into the sin. To the vicious cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, until you give up. No more. Once we receive salvation, there is no more condemnation, even, now this will tilt you, even when we allow our sin nature to dominate us because condemnation is on sin. Now, there's a part of the grace teaching. We call it hyper-grace. Man, I'm telling you, people in word of faith circles just go nuts over that. Listen, hyper-grace. Listen, I gotta tell you, as much as we think we know about grace, it's the manifold grace of God. It's, it's way beyond hyper grace. It's way better than we even ever have seen in our whole life. But this is the one thing that I can't agree with. They will say 1 John 1, 9 is not for a believer. You don't ever have to confess your sins. Which is kind of amazing to me. Because obviously that statement would come from somebody that does not understand positional truth versus temporal truth. Right? And there's some teachers that I greatly respect. And I agree with so much of what they say, but I can't agree with this. 1 John 1 9. You know, now, if, if, if it wasn't, they're saying that was not written to Christians, then why did John say, if we? He included himself. Yeah, but Tony, and they'll say this. Yeah, but that's talking, there were Gnostics. And it was talking about the, you know, Gnosticism. It hadn't started yet when that was written. If you do a little studying. But why, if all of my sin was condemned in the body of Jesus, why would I have to confess it? Hang with me. I'm not confessing a sin nature deal because I don't have a sin nature. I'm confessing a sinful behavior. And God says, listen, I'm giving you 1 John 1, 9. Actually, if you study the Greek language, it would read like this. If we continually confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Do you know what happens if you were cleansed of all your unrighteousness? You know what you would have? You'd, all that's left is righteousness because you already are righteous. In other words, you just, the unrighteous behavior clouds you. It filthies you. It doesn't mean that you're no longer his child. You still are in relationship with him. But fellowship is hindered because a holy God does not fellowship with sin. So God's going, listen, just come and confess the sinful or unrighteous behavior before me, and I'm faithful, and I'm just, and I'll, cleanse, I'll forgive you of the sin and cleanse you of all the unrighteousness so that fellowship can be maintained. That's all. I mean, could you imagine? I've been married 32 years. In 32 years, December 30th, 1989, 32 years later, December 30th, 2021, 32 years of marriage. Could you imagine how great my relationship with my wife would be if I never went and apologized for some stupid behavior that I did? She'd come to me and go, Tony, man, you're really, come on. You never apologize for anything you've ever done. And I'd look at her and go, what are you talking about? I, I told you I loved you 32 years ago. Get over it. You think I'd have a good fellowship with her? So, see, God is saying, confess your sin. What does that mean? It's the Greek word homo logeo. Say the same, Tony, say the same thing about your sin that I say about it. So when I confess my sin, I don't go before God and go, oh God, I'm such a lowly worm. No, I'm not. That's not confessing your sin because I'm not a lowly worm. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit's dwelling in me. He doesn't dwell in sin. He doesn't even want... See, the Word does what? It will wash and cleanse me, sanctify me, purify me. Are you guys getting this a little bit? So I just confess it. I go to the Lord and say, listen, Father... I come to your throne of grace. Have you noticed? He says, come boldly to the throne of grace to do what? To obtain mercy. Do you know if you're not guilty, you don't need mercy? Come boldly. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're my child. It's all paid for. Just come to me and just say about your sin what I say. Father, I told a lie and I know it's wrong. I chose it. I chose wrong, Father. And I confess that, that I did that. That I did that sinful behavior. I allowed my flesh to side with my unrenewed mind. And Father, I just confess that before you today. And Father, in accordance with 1 John 1, 9, through faith, I just receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. And Father, I thank you for forgiving me. And Father, I thank you that fellowship is completely restored. And now we're walking together. That's all that is. You have to stop condemning yourself. To walk free from sin, you got to know my sin was condemned. All my sin was condemned, but there's no condemnation on me because I'm in Christ. When you realize that, you're going to start getting a glimpse 
of what Jesus has done for you and you will run to his word to put his word in your heart so that now you can renew your mind and begin to walk in fellowship and intimacy with him, knowing who you are in him. Amen?